Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. She was a dearly loved member of the congregation I was serving at the time. And sadly, she was also in the final stages of an incurable cancer. As it happened, she'd just arrived home from a lengthy hospital stay out of town, and she'd asked if the associate pastor and I might come out to see her. And while certainly we were both very glad to do that, we were also more than a little concerned about it. After all, this woman was still very weak from her latest round of chemotherapy. The trip home had to have been exhausting, and, and plus, we already knew that there was going to be this long list of family members, neighbors, and friends who had prayers and best wishes and casseroles to bring to her. So maybe, we suggested, another day might be better for us to visit. But she was insistent, and so that afternoon, we headed out to a farmhouse on the edge of town to make this pastoral call. And we decided together that whatever else happened— we pastors would be sure to make our visit brief. However, as we should have expected, this woman would have none of that. In fact, every time we'd start to rise to leave, she'd have another question for us about something going on in the life of the church, or, or else she'd ask about our families. And this would inevitably lead to another story about her growing up, about the trials and tribulations she and her husband had faced raising their own children, and and about what was happening with her beloved grandchildren. And you know, the thing was, is that nearly every one of these stories were spiritually and joyfully uplifting, and they had us in stitches. There was a whole lot of blessed laughter in that room, to be sure, and it went on and on. But then, almost an hour later, as we made yet another attempt to take our leave, she says to us, "'Can we have communion before you go?' Since I haven't been able to get to church lately, I've really missed communion. At this point, the associate and I look at each other very quickly. Though a great deal of our ministries had involved bringing communion to shut-ins, for some reason this time, the possibility of this had never occurred to either one of us. Well, we'd love to, I answered, but we neglected to bring the elements, so perhaps when you're feeling better? Oh, never mind that she interrupted. We can find those. And quickly she dispatched her husband to locate what we needed. Okay, then. And soon we hear the husband wearily calling back from the kitchen. You know, I don't think there's any grape juice. Not much bread, either. Just improvise, his wife calls back, rolling her eyes in no small manner of exasperation, like couples who are married 50 years are often wont to do. Just look for something. Anything will be fine. And a couple minutes later, in the rattle of cupboard doors, sure enough, he emerges from the kitchen with our holy feast that's set before us on the coffee table. A not-quite-day-old hamburger roll on a dessert plate and a wine goblet, literally filled to overflowing with orange juice. That's right, orange juice. Not exactly what we'd have on a Sunday morning at church, but it'll do, the man said, and his wife nodded enthusiastically in agreement. <laughs> Not exactly indeed, I thought to myself, quietly wondering if this could actually even be considered official communion. 
I mean, after all, we were just about to break every sacramental rule in the book. Where was the wine? Or in our case, the grape juice that was poured into the little glasses. How about the carefully cubed pieces of bread placed ever so carefully on a silver tray? A leftover hamburger bun and some orange juice might, might suffice as a last-minute mid-afternoon stack. But as elements in the reenactment of the Lord's Supper, in a worshipful remembrance of the events of the last night of our Savior's earthly life, this seemed at best altogether too casual and flippant, and, well, at worst, sacrilegious. I actually remember thinking that my seminary professors would be aghast at the very thought of such a thing. How could this possibly be considered, as we so often refer to it in worship, the joyful feast of the people God? And yet, as it turned out, it most definitely was. Oh, to be sure, the man was right. This was most definitely not the kind of communion you'd find in a church sanctuary. The prayers we spoke weren't as formal as you might speak them in a traditional service, and trust me, sharing the bread and cup certainly didn't taste like communion the way you get it on a typical Sunday morning. But then, in the midst of all of this, I looked up and realized why none of this mattered. The husband and wife had joined their hands and were deep in prayer, most certainly sensing the presence of a loving, caring, healing God who had already been with them through so much, and who they knew would remain close to them in whatever was yet to come. Truly, in the breaking of the bread and in the sharing of the cup, they remembered him, they remembered his peace, and it was a sacred moment indeed. Do this in remembrance of me. Take this, eat, and be thankful. Words spoken by Jesus himself at a last supper shared on the night of betrayal and desertion. Words that have been repeated at countless celebrations of that meal over the centuries in a wide variety of settings and iterations. Words of institution that serve to prepare our hearts that we might again know the presence of Christ and to share in the community of God's people. This Sunday, as is our custom on the first Sunday of each month at East Church, we will again celebrate the Sacrament of Holy Communion together during our service of worship. By and large, it will be a traditional observance of the sacrament, both in terms of the liturgy we use and also in terms of the way we do communion in our particular congregation, leaving plenty of room, of course, for the movement of the Holy Spirit in and through our sharing of this holy sacred meal. Because truly, as a song we often sing in our worship puts it, there's grace to be found in the bread and the wine, <laughs> or for that matter, in a nearly stale hamburger bun and a glass of orange juice. Because in the end, you see, it's not so much the specific elements that matter, nor even the particular manner in which it's shared. But rather what matters is the refreshment our Lord offers us at this joyful feast, so that we might truly experience and remember all he has to give us by his saving presence and his infinite love. However it happens for us at the table, friends, let us break bread together.
And that brings us to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.